0: Welcome to the My Muy Bueno Chefs Get Personal podcast. I'm your host, Justine Murphy, founder and CEO of My Muy Bueno. I'll be interviewing a different chef each fortnight, but asking the very same questions and their answers are all very different, which is what makes each interview so inspiring. Hello, hello, hello. I'm back. Hope everyone is good and well, wow, this chef is pretty fantastic. He's from right here in London in his incredible two-star restaurant, two Michelin stars, two very well-earned Michelin stars. This chef is incredibly hard working, humble, brilliant, actually very funny as well. Yeah, I think you're going to really like getting to know him a lot more on the interview. His story is massively inspiring. I was kind of Jaw dropped the whole time that I was listening to him and the journey he's had to get to where he is. And it's just remarkable. And then, of course, he's just been in with us to film, sharing six of his dishes at MACA, Mainway Bueno Academy of Culinary Arts, launching in October. And sharing all of his my with you and an incredible tasting menu of classic dishes, signature dishes from, of course, kitchen table is where I'm talking about, because of course it's the amazing James Nappet, everyone. He's just a great guy, and I'm really excited to share his journey and let him get personal with all of you. So, with no further ado, everyone, it's the incredible Chef James Nappet. A very big welcome, James Nackett.
1: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you here. James, so we've interviewed you before, many moons ago, before it was a podcast, five years ago actually. Wow. I was uh, having a sneak peek of your answers back then, so it'll be interesting to see how much has changed in the last five years. Quite a bit, really. <laughs> Giant pandemic in the way and all the rest, On the littles. How old are you now, James? 41. Wow. Okay. Yep. Good. Good age to be. Yep. Lovely.
1: I'm happy. To the 40s now.
0: That's good. Yeah. It's the 40s though. I'm 42. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's good. So, how old were you when you first started cooking professionally?
1: Well, I don't know what you class as professionally, but all I've ever done is cooked. So, as soon as I left like secondary school here, you know, in the UK, like I went straight into catering college stroke, cooking in other restaurants like in my village and stuff part time. So, I've done nothing else.
0: Where was home for you then? Uh,
1: Soham. So, so I'm in uh, Cambridgeshire. Oh,
0: right. Okay. So like
1: between Ely and Newmarket at a bigger towns more known there and then Cambridge. Okay. So yeah, East Anglia, I think. <laughs> so that was,
0: that was the beginning then? <laughs> yes, yeah. Right. And, and then where so, was your so straight,
1: first... Straight into it. So Catering College in Cambridge. Okay. So I did two years at Cambridge in the Catering College. But, you know, whilst I was there, I was working in a restaurant in my home village at the time called Sergio's. So it was an Italian restaurant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had my uh, memory sort of like now back then like because you know you always have that thing of like you know this is your village you need to get out your village there's always bigger and better things and the grass is always greener when you get out but um when i look back now still to this day that's some of the best pasta i've ever seen so authentic so original like from the cakes and the pastries that he wow. used to make it was uh, yeah sadly the restaurant's gone now but yeah looking back it was very very special
0: what an amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. experience. Yeah, like, well, of
1: what you know now and sort of like, you know, even eating pasta around and seeing pasta work, I love to work with pasta. And even Italian desserts, you know, you go to Italian restaurants now and like sort of like the desserts you see. But like the skills that that guy had and, you know, that he, he showed us and the homemade pastas and all the different sauces was uh, very special. So, yeah, for a long time, it was like just need to get out of there. Uh, you know, get to London or, you know, as all chefs wanted to do and that. But uh, it was really special. So I'm glad I did that.
0: Yeah, fantastic. That's great. What an experience. And to absorb all of that and to carry it to this day and carry it forward to this day is really Uh, special.
1: Yeah, didn't write enough down, but, um, you know, (laughs) still remember it. I'd I'd like a few of those sauce recipes again. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's just the way it goes. (laughs) True.
0: What's your earliest and fondest first memory of food?
1: Yeah, you get asked that a lot. I still can't ever remember, pass back. Um, For me, it's a prawn cocktail sandwich. Yeah, yeah. So I remember my uh, sister being born in the hospital, in Newmarket Hospital. That doesn't exist anymore either. Okay. Basically, everything back home doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) It's like uh, proper village life. It just like, you know, yeah. But uh, when she was born, I just, for some reason, as far back as I can remember, and we used to get um, prawns. Uh, frozen prawns. I still eat them to this day. There's just something about them. You defrost them, and then you just mix them with. Uh, Dad used to mix them up with uh, ketchup
0: and mayonnaise. Ketchup
1: and mayonnaise. So- sauce. Soft white bread. I don't think we're at. Oh. <laughs> 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 just the ketchup yeah. and mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah I don't, there I don't we think go. we were seasoning there. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could say a touch of brandy, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of paprika, squeeze of lemon juice. No, it was, it was just mayo. It was just ketchup. <laughs> it was
0: delicious. Yeah, though, yeah, that was it. Four yeah. cocktails all exactly.
1: done. Exactly, Bre- bread and butter, and yeah, so things like that were I a say, treat. Lettuce. So it was sort of like a treat for mum. She, you know, she just just giving birth again. But I just remember sort of, I think like just me and my dad sat there and ate them because mum weren't really in the mood for a sandwich. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But yeah, I can't can't remember further back than that. And it's still something I eat today. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, season it a
1: little different now. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Nostalgic.
0: Yeah, Love it. Okay, which chefs inspire you most and why?
1: Gordon Ramsay was the first chef to inspire me. So whilst working at Sergio's, the series came out Boiling Point and um, I went on to work there because of that series.
0: Really? Is that how it is? You yeah, yeah, watch oh, yeah. What, it. I need to go there. That's the so next So it move. was sort
1: of like coming home wow. from Sergio's, having that taped on the sort of VHS, I think it was at the time, like taping it every night, just watching it and watching it again. You're like, how's this even real? Like, this is just in London. I don't, you know, I hadn't even ever really been to London, but it was watching that. So like, I think it wasn't even just the cooking, it was just seeing the man that was so obsessed with obtaining something and sort of like that search for perfection, that drive, because at the time it was a Two Mission Star you know, the show was about him trying to get his third star, everything he went through to get that third star, and him just becoming one of the biggest the biggest chefs in the UK, you know, and even more so because of that series. But at the same time, Rick Stein was exactly the same for me. So Rick Stein had launched the series uh, Taste of the Sea, if I remember. I, th- I think uh, yeah. that was his first BBC uh, show, and that yes. was him in the kitchen but like completely the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, like like incredible seafood, the best of the British seas, being cooked like beyond simply, but just as tasty. And then, you know, the other side, it was, you know, from cutting something into a perfect square, to it being like immaculate, to it being,
0: yeah. you know.
1: So it was in between two chefs, really. Um, wow, and
0: yeah. you went and worked for both of them? Yeah,
1: yeah, I ended up working for both of them, yeah. Still to this day, I feel exactly the same. We all know Rick sign. Absolutely. I was just there for the Christmas Padstow Festival.
0: Okay. So You
1: know, I was working with him in like 99, 2000, and I'm eating in his restaurant again in like the end of 2022. So um, it's just, what a career. Like, Amazing. Like, yeah. Amazing. And, it, and it's still current, right? Yeah, That's, yeah, of course. That, you know, and the same with Gordon. You know, big change there for Gordon, obviously. You know, he had a uh, Royal Hospital Road at the time, and now he has, uh, has a few other restaurants now. <laughs> Empire, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So how long were you at
1: Gordon's for? Short time. So uh, I bit off way more than I could chew when I went to Gordon's first time round. So I only did about eight months or so at Royal Hospital Road.
0: Okay. So you went straight from the Italian place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's incredible. Wow.
1: Realised I was way out my depth. I was way out my depth in London, let alone... A restaurant. I was such a country boy. It was like uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like
0: admire b- that. B- b- like...
1: Buildings, buildings, buses, and tubes. I was like nearly sick every day. I like I wasn't a fan at all. <laughs> Fish
0: so, out of water. Yeah. So I, I had
1: to get I had to get away from that and get away from home. So that that was my move to Rick. Straight out of Gordon's, I went to Rick's and I did three years with Rick.
0: Wow! Amazing.
1: Yeah, lifestyle, learning to cook, friends I've met, still still some of my best friends to this day, but realized like I needed to learn how to cook as well. Yeah. So I actually went back and then worked at uh, Gordon's Petroose and ended up doing like five years under uh, Petroose. That's yeah, incredible! Yeah, the original on St. James's Street is oh where we started. and Then we moved it to the Barclay and yeah, so... so that's so, amazing. yeah, it was, a, it was a big turnaround. Yeah, I admire yeah. your
0: ambition yeah. though, because that I mean, literally, it's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to go from here to here to here. It was yeah. like, no, straight to there. I'm yeah. watching this guy, I yeah. want to go work for him, right? Yeah, and that was the beginning. That's inc- yeah,
1: wow. yeah. And you know, Thomas Keller's probably like at the top of my list as well. Still, someone I admire to this day as well.
0: You were over there as well. You yeah. went over to Per Se, yep, yeah,
1: that was yes. um, that was a big ambition for mine. Like French laundry was sort of like. It was like a bit about talking about Sergio. So, you know, there's always something what you think, like, personally, what's bigger, better. You know, there's always something like, oh, you know, where, where's next? Where's okay. this? And the French Laundry was just like a, you know, at that time, this yeah. is before social media, before we saw any pictures, before anything, before we even knew how to get there. It was just like this mythical restaurant that everyone talked about, you know. And, and whilst I was at Gordon's, like Mark Askew at the time, the head chef there, he'd been over to the French Laundry and he brought this book back. Like the French Laundry cookbook, so like no one had seen chefs of Gordon's caliber, etc. All knew who Thomas Keller was. Okay, but young chefs like us, there was no way of seeing what the French Laundry was. There was no Instagram. There was no. Nothing. There wasn't even Facebook or anything uh, to see course. to see pictures of what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Um, so this cookbook landed, and then like that day off, I went. It was called Books for Cooks in uh, Notting Hill. I went and got this French Laundry cookbook, and it was like reading every night before bed again. Situation. It was wow. like, it was just a book and like it's immersing yeah. yourself
0: in it. Wow.
1: You know, I don't know if you've read it. Yes. Yeah. Most people have, but if you just read anything from, you know, any of these little sections, you know, e- even from big pot boiling, yes. you know, like yes. How, yes. how can boiling vegetables be like, so, and you know, you're just in it, you're immersed in it.
0: Fascinating. Yeah.
1: So, so that became like a, the next target. You're like, you know, one day I want to work at the French Laundry. Okay. So, um, and his, ro- his, his aim of perfection and his journey and how, how he was making all these people fly to this remote place at the time of California, it was harder to get to than it is now. and that of So you're like, uh, this has got to be good. But it came around that as I got towards the end of my time with Gordon, that um, he'd just opened Per Se. So Per Se was all of a sudden even easier to get to for okay. every chef. So every chef was traveling to New York. Okay. And then as I was getting ready to leave, they'd all just come back from this meal at Per Se. And everyone was like, you know, what's going on? So, this is this extreme like tasting courses. And it was aimed to be ever so slightly more modern than French Laundry. So, right. where French Laundry had all the classics and more classical style of cooking, this was more cutting edge. So, at that time, it, it was like the place. This is where you go. And so, Gordon basically made a uh, phone call to Thomas and it was just set up. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, so. so Amazing. Yeah, I, I was beyond, beyond lucky, beyond in the right place at the right time and the same thing as in London I'd never been to New York or anything took the job got out of a yellow cab and I was like I'm in New York and I'm working that so <laughs> yeah I was just there and that was it and, um, just like that yeah, there you yeah, are yeah
0: Central Park's there, yeah, into the yeah, mall you go. Yeah. It's so surreal because yeah. you know, I was there a few oh. years ago and I went to Riviera back in like 215, 216. I was like, it's in a shopping mall. This yeah. is so strange and so surreal. In the Time Warner and, and, building. Yes! Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Above Williams, Sonoma, you got a free, free Mission Star restaurant. Well, actually, there's two, right? you got oh. uh, right opposite it, you have Massa and John George and they're all there. Wow. Yeah. Definitely so didn't what live year near was that.
0: There. How long ago it was
1: so I was there in 2005,
0: 6 and 7. Wow. And then yeah. you met your wife yeah. there
1: then? Yeah, met Sandia there.
0: Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's incredible. And then you yeah. scooped her up and brought her back to England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Sounds good, don't it? <laughs> Come with me yeah. on my culinary journey.
1: <laughs> Not quite like that, but we'll take that. Sounds good. <laughs>
0: That's yeah. amazing. And yeah. then so then you were back here but then and then you also did a stint in Noma as well somewhere yep. along the way.
1: Yeah. long stories per se I was offered like another 3 year contract to stay on as a sous chef. Uh like blown away with that at the time I was working my head chef was Jonathan Beno, another massive inspiration of mine good friend of mine as well and it was a super hard decision but I think that was my peak of where I, like I was the hungriest of my career of okay. wanting to know knowledge see more learn more and I, I just didn't know right then and there if uh, five years in one restaurant was the right move right given that I've done like five years in one restaurant three years in another okay and I, I didn't want to be a kitchen hopper, of course I'd done my time yeah but um turned around that uh Gordon was opening up in New York I sort of got an offer there to go work there and then long story short is um didn't get the visa so i was unable to get back which was like me and sandira just got a flat thinking i was coming back easy you know our whole life was in new york we, we just thought we were simply coming back so to wait for this visa you had to wait like 90 working days and on um, the 90th working day so that doesn't include weekends and they have oh a lot they have a lot of holidays over there oh like labor God. days this day that day it's 90 days i'm not allowed to work anywhere in that time you're not allowed a job so what did uh, you
0: do in that time?
1: Yeah, so you have to be proven that you can be supported and everything. I had to come back to the UK. I wasn't allowed to leave the UK in that time, etc., etc. Oh, my God. On no- Only
0: to then be told, yeah. no,
1: sorry, declined. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 90th working day. It was literally a letter saying that uh, your application has been declined. Um, you're overqualified for this job. <laughs> you're like, what? what? So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a heart pumper. You were like, hang on a minute. <laughs> like, uh, been pretty lazy for uh, three months. Like, what do we do now? Like, no, no job set up, no nothing. Yeah, I kept busy with stages and things like that. But then uh, we realised that that wasn't going to work. So Nia came over to the UK yeah. and I basically, I was like, you know, it's not going to work, what are we going to do? I think the only way of me getting back was um, like in our heads, was like, and we talked about it before, it's like if we get married, right? So okay. it's like a green card situation, you know? But um, we hadn't talked about it for a while. So when she came back, I proposed to her. And then, um, yeah, completely random. And uh, so, so that was our, our plan. That, like, you know, this is the way what? we'll get back to uh, America and do okay. something. And then uh, while she was over in the UK, I think we were out in Cambridge somewhere. Still didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to work or anything. Right. And I got this, we went to a, like, a cookbook shop, I was getting this book, and then uh, the cookbook there, the original Noma cookbook was there. So I picked this up, and then as I was flicking through it, I recognised one of the chefs. At Per Se, you have what we call an extern, right. where somebody works with you for three months on your station to learn, and so like a starge, we okay. call it a stage here. And this guy in the picture was this um, extern. Okay. And I was like, oh,
0: oh I, I remember him. him. Yeah,
1: about like this. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this is a, a restaurant. So so he was talking about Noma. He sort of told us about it. He's like, it's two-mission-style restaurant in Copenhagen. You're like, where's Copenhagen? They're like, Denmark. You're like, where's Denmark? Europe. <laughs> oh, is it? Like that. So like, like no one really knew no, Copenhagen yeah. or Denmark because yeah. uh, this is in like
0: 2007.
1: Okay. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, actually, this is a good idea. I was like, and I was like, I've never been to Copenhagen. I'm looking through the book. Food looks insane, yeah. Like this is the original you getting Noma inspired as you're yeah. flicking through the pages. And I was like, I, I know what, I'll... Um... So uh, like uh, me proposing to her, I took her to Copenhagen. Uh, so we had two weeks in Copenhagen. We ate at this restaurant, ate at Noma. Renee came over at the end, like, nice to meet you, blah, blah. I just looked at him, I said, you got any jobs? like that and he says uh, there's always jobs for the right person and he's like you worked at, uh, per se he's like when can you start so there's no trial nothing two weeks later I lived in Copenhagen and I worked there for two years no yeah. way yeah. and I've never been back to, uh, to America <laughs> well that
0: door yeah. firmly yeah. closed yeah. for good
1: reason yeah. and we've been married for 15 years <laughs>
0: that is epic yeah. what a story yeah. Yeah. I so love it
1: so that's how it happened and yeah. Uh, I love yeah. it <laughs> but very special time to land at, you know,
0: You're part of it then. At Noma, that time, because, yeah. Um,
1: no, I wasn't joking. People didn't know where Copenhagen and thing is, yeah, like, of course. like you know, Re- Noma, Rene, and you know, a collection of other chefs in um, Denmark at that time with that sort of like cooking from the land, bringing foraging back, etc. You know, they made it like another gastronomical place to travel to. So even when I lived there, um, there were five or six like restaurants of Noma's caliber at that expense of that quality that existed so on your days off there was nowhere to eat there was no bakeries there was no like little places there was okay. a couple of things but when you go now you know you've been in two weeks you can do lunch and dinner and, and complete Copenhagen it's incredible there now so um, when I worked at Noma we, were, uh, we did lunch deals we did deals for chefs to come in nice. um, we, we'd be doing Noma two Michelin style lunches and uh, there'd be people in the in the lounge bar having, like, sandwiches, chocolate brownies and coffee, like tourists. Oh, my god. Um, and we had to cater to that and that. and wow. um, And it was just like, you know, Rene still blows my mind. You know, he's in Tokyo as we speak now. Like, yeah. he's, he still blows my mind how he does it. It's like, you know, he went from, you know, no one really knowing of this restaurant and that to, like, number one in the world. And, yeah, so it was, that was my journey, really, from... From there, and as I was leaving, it became the best restaurant in the world. And then to witness that, and all of a sudden, you and know... part of
0: that, though, yeah. it's just...
1: Well, you couldn't get rid of tables at lunch, and then all of a sudden there's a table of, like, five freestyle chefs from Germany... There's a, a table of two from the two best restaurants in Tokyo. One's in the mountain. One's like blah blah, and like you know, so on and so on. And you're like, what is going on here? And then it was like, you know, you'd look at the reservation list, and it was there wasn't someone that wasn't the who's known. Who of the yeah, zoo, basically. yeah, yeah. But wow. it, was, it was like absolutely incredible to
0: have been there at that time. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, the yeah, shift yeah. Was happening, but, ju- but just
1: to watch that concept. Mm. You know, Nordic cuisine, yeah. like, you know, is something that inspires chefs, including myself. Globally, like yeah, worldwide, yeah. Yeah, still now.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, you know, their ingredients and different ways of using the things that we even have in our country. Mm. It's very inspiring.
0: Amazing. What a journey you've had. What an yeah. inspiring yeah. career you've I'm, had. I'm, James, I had no idea. Yeah. It was amazing. i home now. Really? <laughs> Everyone listening now yeah. is right? just blown away, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. What are your two favourite cookbooks and why?
1: <laughs> I've already mentioned yeah. one, right? Beef, beef. You got
0: the name one and the Thomas Keller one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, French Laundry. Yeah, Noma, well, Fre- done. <laughs> French
1: Laundry, the original French Laundry for sure. Yep. massive, massive building block for me. Mm-hmm. Um, massive part of my career. You know timeless right you're looking at it now and you're like I still wish I could come up with that dish or you know if you put it onto someone's plate now it's still cutting edge that's an old book now and then the other one for me is The Original Kitchen Diaries by Nigel Slater that was a big help for me a way to think about food, time and place So that book was given to me by a friend of mine at Noma. He was also English. And um, whilst I was at Noma, the restaurant was everything for me. Like I lived and breathed it. I was like, I was obsessed with it. I was totally dedicated to it. Living in Copenhagen at that time was a little hard for me. Other than you knowing all your chef mates and colleagues, you know, there's no friends or family there. It's, yeah. you know, you, you don't make friends or family in a restaurant of that caliber because you're just there with your workmates. So, and at that, like I said, at that time, there was no, like, I'm going here for lunch, going here for dinner, going to here, going to there. So it just became a bit like, you know, I started to travel home again a little bit more at the weekends. But this book, Kitchen Diaries, for me was a, you know, I don't know if you've read it. Nigel Slater's writing's just like insane. He can put you in, like from making a cake to making a stew, and I, and I read it through the seasons. Okay, and it was like, uh, it was like England was right there with you in the way he read That's about, like comforting. you know, yeah, so so good. But the writing was incredible. And it was another big part of like how to look at food different and then starting to learn about like, you know, I was never going to come home and open a restaurant with food from Kitchen Diaries. It's it's not chef led or anything like yeah. that. It's, it's for everyone to be able to cook. Yeah. But, um, it was quite interesting of how I started to merge my thinking with what I was learning at NOMA, but within that sort of like time and place of, you know, if you're baking, even if you're baking onions, just like how we'd write about it, you know, yes. the smell of the oven, the time, the weather outside. So I stand by that book and that was great reading. And, you know, I have two books on display at Kitchen Table and that's those two. Oh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, good books, good books.
0: Very good. Yeah. Okay, which two ingredients could you not live without?
1: Uh yogurt oh. I absolutely love yogurt on anything okay, yeah, savory desserts, like you know, like making a wicked curry, putting a bit of yogurt on it, roast nice. lamb, oh. mint sauce, bit of yogurt, oh. um you know I just oh. oh yeah okay yeah, I just like I just find it a great contrast, like to everything a vehicle carrier,
0: okay,
1: um you could do like yeah. you know just simple things like grilled chicken breast, yogurt, add loads of chopped red chili, and coriander, you know that's just those four things together Simplicity it's great yeah yeah, it works. yeah. So i love yogurt and then two's always tough i really love damsons Ooh. so so damsons are uh, a, a secret ingredient of england i think i think it's the flavor profile of damsons incredible
0: wow
1: so it's uh, it's quite rare sadly now i do think um damson trees are being planted but we always go for the wild ones and sadly they're getting scarcer and scarcer right um even back home where I go foraging, where all the damsons were and now houses, uh, you know, these things get ripped up out of the ground. Wow. A bit like slow slows, you okay, know, yes. like, you know, if you're doing slow Slogin. gin and that. Yep. But they grew in similar areas. They, they even look similar. Okay. So, so dams and plums. And I like it because of how rare and how British they are. Wow. And I love it that you can't go to a supermarket still and get a kilo of damsons. And it's actually a plum you have to cook for it to become palatable. So it's the result of cooking it like that bounty what you get afterwards is incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so what it, would you use a damson, like a few
1: things? Oh, we, we, we use it from savoury to dessert. So like kitchen table, like putting damson with any of our red game birds, duck mm. or, you know, pigeon Yep. Mallards, okay. sort of like in that time, delicious. to having damson ice cream as a dessert, or you know, damson and figs and oh, thick green leaf You know, it gets it gets a bit chefy, but at home, like on a Sunday, like the classic roast chicken dinner, paxo stuff in bread sauce, yeah. and instead of the cranberry, yeah. you put a big dollop of damson on it. Oh, oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I can't do that one at KT, but that's <laughs> that is my best dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're
0: sat- your ingredients it's, yeah I mean I love eating at kitchen table and you yeah. blow me away every time with all your ingredients and not only the whole immersive environment of the kitchen table itself which I love which is, feels homely in that interaction not only with you guys but just with each other it's always a yeah. laugh but like everyone's always kind of picking up on other people's conversations and interacting yeah. and it's always I'm good at
1: listening now it's always <laughs> good fun
0: it is it is but also just your ingredients that you use I mean for me i never forget it it's that amazing I'd never had it before it's
1: that,
0: was that beef steak mushroom? Yep, yep. Wow, yep. so yeah, incredible.
1: But well, that—that's another one. You know, you never—I don't think you'll ever find that in the shops. It's, no, uh no, you know, no. chefs have to go. You Harding. know, we find that. I probably got my biggest bounty of it this year. I, I pulled in like forty plus kilos from. From trees all in here in London. It's uh,
0: amazing. Yeah. Like you
1: say, you know, there's such a special ingredient. So
0: special, yeah. memorable, though. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, never tasted yeah. anything like it and just being blown away. Yeah.
1: Well, it's getting harder and harder to show um guests these things now because, you know, as, as things do become chef-y or restaurante and other places do get hold of it, get it, and make it the norm, you know. So yeah. keep trying to find these ingredients. Like black garlic is one I like to talk about, you know. I once said it, it's like a chef's secret weapon because chefs were putting it in the oven for like three days or rice cookers or steamers and stuff. You know, you can buy a jar of black garlic puree in the supermarket now, you know, like like everyone knows what black garlic (laughs) is now, you know. So as these things get picked up and taken, it's harder for us. So things like dams and beefsteak mushrooms, still, you know, good few things out there that we can show off with.
0: Good. Great. What is your favourite comfort food to cook at
1: home? <laughs> it's roast dinner easy.
0: Lovely.
1: Yeah. Got to love a good roast. Yeah, I'd eat, I could eat a roast seven days a week, no problem. Love I, a roast. Yeah, I love it.
0: Delicious. Roast chicken <laughs> yeah. then? Is ro- that all, the... Yeah.
1: Ro- I love all the roasts. Okay. Like, like I love, you know... You beef and Yorkshire. Yeah, and I, or... I love I love everything that goes with them. Yes. So if it's beef, Yorkshire, horseradish, if it's lamb, mint sauce, if it's pork, apple sauce. But if I was only allowed to... I could eat seven roast chicken dinners a week, no problem. Nice. It has to have Paxo stuff in. Call my dog Paxo. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely
1: love Paxo. But
0: all the, and all the trimmings. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Got to have all the Yeah, trimmings. I think a roast is one of those things where, like, if you're going to do it, like, you know, you know you're know, you in the kitchen most home. of the day. Yeah. I just don't mess around with it. Don't leave something off. No.
0: You well, know? I'm saying I do roast yeah. chicken, Yorkshire puddings, pigs in blanket, cauliflower cheese, roast uh-huh. potatoes, uh, yeah. the greens, and the carrot, like the yeah, whole yeah. shebang. That's
1: yeah. it. And bisto. <laughs> yes. Oh, love like bisto. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't do the patso stuffing. Yeah. I need to do the patso stuffing. Yeah, no, that's the that oh, is the secret. It. That's yeah. the key. Nice, comforting. P- people
1: always come around, They're like, oh, you know, have you made your own roast chicken? It's like, no, we're <laughs> <You're> having bisto.
0: <laughs> bisto and patso. Yeah. there we yeah.
1: go. <laughs> do do not mess around with the comfort of this. You know exactly. Yeah. Some
0: things must yes yeah. never be tampered with. Right. If you could eat at any Michelin star restaurant in the world today, where would it be and why?
1: Well, they don't have Michelin Stars there, but I, uh, if I could eat anywhere in the world, it'd be key in Australia. Australia,
0: Okay, yeah. I've got
1: their cookbook actually, yeah. Yeah, okay. so Peter Gilmore. Uh, mm. One of my chefs is actually there, or was. I say one of mine, he worked with me, Tim. You know, he went on to go do a year there about six years ago and still there. But um, I haven't been to Australia before, and I just love his books. I love, Of course, now we do have social media, and I can see what they do there. But this has always been on my radar to go to, one that okay. I'd, I'd love to eat at.
0: Family trip to Australia, then. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah my, my, not just yet. <laughs> yeah, three and one on the plane. Not, we're going to wait a little while.
0: Love it. So I'm, I've got to ask because five years ago you answered Gagan. So have yeah. you been to Gagan in the last five years? No, Did you I, ha- go before no I didn't go. Oh, no.
1: No, no. I, didn't, oh. I didn't go.
0: I'll have to put that one on the list. I did him last year. I went and interviewed him and did his pop up at Tomorrowland, okay, which was amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's yeah. hilarious. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, great, great guy, and yeah, lit to the plate and did all that stuff. And yeah. yeah,
1: you know, it looked interesting, and you know, his menu was all the emojis at the time and stuff. And you were there, and like, yeah, I haven't been to Thailand since then, actually. So yeah, we've got actually got an offer this year to do a, a guest chef out in Bangkok. So oh. ho- hopefully going this year. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. Go hit again up and yeah. make that happen he as well. Is back open? I, th- I think they're about to go back again because they went somewhere else and oh, now they're okay. about to go back yeah. for the next okay. season. So yes, right. next cycle. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, I think I know the answer to this. Who would you take to key as your guest?
1: <laughs> My wife. Hey, so the answer. <laughs>
0: happy wife, happy life. I think <laughs> yeah. I say that every podcast episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nah, we've good. been lucky. We've eaten around the world together, so yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Been very lucky.
0: So, what do you look for in a good chef?
1: Well, I think the, the thing I look for in a good chef, like, like straight away is something that, um, like, you've either got it or you're not. And, like, slowly, I guess, you could, you could teach it, but you have to have passion for food, right? You've got to want to, like, naturally love food. Food's not a job. It's not like I've come across chefs and there are chefs. They'll come to work. They, they cook like they cook. And then when they're out of work, they have no interest in food. Like, not what they're having for breakfast, not where they're going for dinner. Like, it's just, wow, okay. you know, I don't know. Strange, uh, just, 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 almost. Just, like, yeah, just, just personally, I just find it really strange. But I think if you have that natural passion of even if you're making a Victoria sponge cake or you're making, um, you know, a complex sauce or you're making a terrine or you're peeling carrots or you're, you know you're boning out a pigeon you have to have the same love and passion for every single one of those jobs mm. consistently for everything so other chefs say it, there's, there's no importance of an ingredient like you know a scallop doesn't take center stage at my restaurant over a pea or a piece of chervil or or the black garlic or the white asparagus or you know of course there's different prices that we yeah. pay for these things if we're getting the best caviar if we're getting the best beef of course they're more expensive but like in value of what how we eat now and how more and more guests like vegetables etc herbs freshness all of these things have to take the same
0: love and respect st-
1: yeah and status exactly you know that that has to be the first thing like young chefs old chefs you just have to have it i think so we look for that to start with and then as i learned in myself you have to be willing to uh you know sacrifice our, our jobs are very unsociable long hours but you've got to dedicate yourself to that career You know, if you, if you want to learn to cook, it isn't, isn't how quick can I get to, um, you know, become a head chef? How can, you know, I just want to do the meat station. Because you know, one day those chefs do get their own restaurants, and you do want your own restaurant and they'll think, what are you going to do? Like a pigeon restaurant? I can just, only just do to so, Yeah, only so ever yeah, you know, stayed on yeah, this yeah, station. Yeah, so that's yeah. it. <laughs> and you know, there, there are restaurants... Yeah, welcome to my the,
0: sauce the, shop. <laughs>
1: there are restaurants that are ingredient led like that, but you know, I think I think you have to have an understanding of cookery to to be yeah successful. Yes. Unless you're just incredibly lucky at hiring all the talent to do that. You know, if you have zero understanding of pastry, but yet somehow you keep getting a the great pastry. Base- base- a great pastry chef and you're you know good on you lucky you but like you know I'd want the understanding you know well of course I'm, I'm not a pastry expert myself but you know if something's gone wrong right this you know I have an understanding of it and yeah. uh you know I'm I'm able to get involved in it as such uh yes you know all pastry ideas are still you know led by myself and the team but we, we like to have skills and they're different skill sets right it's course. a bit different now as well, you know, but, um, I think kitchens are even set up now. Like I said, five years under Petrus, you know, doing over a year on veg, a year on garmanger, you know, a year on sauce, a year on fish, a year on meat, you know, like, yeah. you know, you look back, like, you know, like, you know, same thing. It's the same. Can't wait to get on the meat station. Can't wait to get on the meat station. But <laughs> like, look back now, that year on veg, absolutely priceless. Wow. Like wouldn't change it for the world, you know? I'm sure. And, um, wow. Don't get that all the time now. No, you know? of course. Like you, you get chefs in, and uh, you know sometimes you send out little tests. You like, you know, peel this bunch of chervil after that, cut these chive tips after this, pick this chickweed down. He's start to hear <laughs> like that, <You're> like, They're <laughs> like herbs, you like. They like
0: herbs. Let do it for ten minutes. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Big part of our repertoire here. So, like, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not for you. You know, yeah. and it's sort of like, yeah, all these things are a vital part of the of the end dishes. You know, yeah, like of everything course. has to play its part.
0: Great. Good. What advice would you give to chefs starting their career paths now?
1: Similar. Be willing to sacrifice and be patient and learn a career. Just sponge people, you know, take that time to be like, you're just starting your career, you've got time. You don't need to have your own restaurant at 21, 22. You don't need to be a head chef at 23. You don't need to know, and you won't know everything by the time you're 24. Just take your time, enjoy it, you know, long times at long places, Mm. absorb them. Don't wish your time away. Yeah. You know, even, even like in New York, you know, it just went so fast, uh, but like treasured every day you was there. Like, you know, if you do travel as well, like take it in.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, because one day you won't be there anymore and you might not go back. So absorb that culture, absorb everything you can, you know, and, and just sponge it. Just be patient. You know, if you've got the passion and the love, like I said, it's very rare that you won't get to where you want to get to if you have that. 100%
0: couldn't agree more. Thank you. Good advice. How has the pandemic affected your restaurant and how did you adapt and evolve throughout?
1: The pandemic affected us hugely. We used to have bubble dogs and kitchen table. You know, we opened the restaurant as uh, two concepts in one building. So, uh, you know, for people that don't know, we had bubble dogs, which was a hot dog and champagne restaurant. And you entered through this restaurant and you had to go through a curtain where kitchen table is. So kitchen table where it is now is exactly the same place, but we decided to close bubble dogs and that space now houses are like bars. So there's like a before and after experience to the kitchen table experience. So, kitchen table got better, no question. We did a massive refurb, 100% it looks way better than it ever has, feels way better than it ever has, it's operating way better than it ever has it's a joy to be there but sadly we did lose bubble dogs you know and it was a mixture of things so um when it very first hit england i think it's fair to say everyone like proper shit themselves you know are we ever going to come out of our houses again are we even yeah are we even going to survive you know everyone had a clock on their tv of showing new deaths every day and that was just going up and up and then It was real. We'd hear this restaurant's 100% closed, never going to open again. This veg company's gone. It will never, never be again. This lady sold her goats. This cheese will never exist again. She will never make cheese again. And it went on and on and on. And you're like, you're literally like, whoa, what is going on here? Then, of course, very quickly, everybody left. So, you know, the world laid off. You somewhat closed your business and people left, right? So, you you know, your managers from Germany went back to Germany. Your head waiters from France went back to France. People left the UK. And then, again, we didn't know how long this was going to last. We didn't know if they're coming back. Didn't even know if we'd open again. So we, we had two restaurants. And you're like, do we come back with two, a little bit shaky? Or do we come back with one really strong? That was the decision in doing that. And we'd always wanted to do what we originally did with Kitchen Table. But we never knew whether it was going to be there or whether we were going to find another site one day. But the the concept of being able to get sort of like your drink and snacks before you go through to the counter and then after the counter being able to get digestives and sweet snacks. We always wanted that. So it was about building to it. But we never knew if we wanted to let go of like how cool it was to go through this like hot dog and champagne restaurant Uh and then into another world of like... You
0: know, through the curtain, fine dining Just, as yeah. such, yeah. Okay. So,
1: so that proper affected us, and then during that, you know, lockdown one happened. We Sort of got back into it. We we're doing takeaways and shops. We turned bubble Dogs into a shop. We uh-huh. were, yeah. We tried everything. Loads of success and loads of failures. You know, we um, uh, we were selling like our cannellae, for example, that we make in um, kitchen table. Couldn't make enough of them. As soon as they went down on the counter, like, somebody had brought them all. But then we tried to do things like uh, we were selling whole turbot, live lobster, oh, whole wow. John Dory, hand dive scallops, whole truffles. We couldn't sell any of it. And I was like, what's going on? Like, this is the best of the best. So people yeah. were coming in. They were buying our bacon jam. They were buying bags of our chicken skins. They were buying, like, all sorts, pasta. So I was like, people can't get better stuff than this in this area around here, like, unless somebody else, like, another chef's in it. And then um, I started to ask the questions like why? And everyone says like we come to your restaurant because you cook things like this. Uh, but like we don't know how to take home a John Dory and fill what it prep. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you were learning, you know. Wow. So we thought we were basically gonna do like the best like shop. Okay. You know, we we looked yes. at a shop and it just didn't work. Then we were trying to tap into like the takeaway deliverer and all of this stuff. Yeah. The area we're in was in, like, so you only get a certain radius that your food can travel to, right, Right. before it gets cold or it's no good, and and they only take it so far so they don't get the complaints, et cetera. So where we were was all offices, oh. unis, et cetera. So we were in Ghost Town. Oh, my
0: goodness. So everyone's at home and there's yeah. no one living in that vicinity at all. Exa- exactly. Oh, my
1: gosh. So then that didn't work. And ah. then, uh, you know, as it, as it happened and everyone's more than aware of, restaurants started doing uh, home kits. Yes. And it was sort of like held off, held off, held off. And then you're like, nah, this, this, it's got to be over soon. It's got to be over soon. And of course, it wasn't. No, <laughs> it wasn't for a long time. Yeah. And we decided to do the at-home kits, and it was uh, successful day one. We we're doing. 150 plus kits wow. uh, every time we launched it. Easy, yeah.
0: Amazing. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, everyone that brought one of those, like, kept us open. That was our final survival and it, it got the refurb done, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It was crazy, Incredible. yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. And that kind of ties in that it was successful from the shop and the ingredients. People going, yeah. well, we don't know what to do, but yeah. then going, well, do this and this and this with this. Yeah. And voila! Then yeah. we're eating our food. Yeah. And there we go. Wow.
1: Sadly, yeah. we lost Bubble Dogs, so that's still sad for us, but um, Sunday. And now has her online shop oh. so so she's got Bubble Shop online oh, right. so, so you can go on there and she's selling it's probably you know one of the best lists of grower champagnes that you'll read and at great prices and super limited availabilities and she gets such a good allocation of like super rare stuff okay. so Cindy is still doing that that's her own business now which she took on from it and like you know in our heads Bubble Dogs isn't dead it's just you know you need more probably not the best time to look to open a concept like that at the moment when we get in more certain times and things plateau out hopefully and there's no wars and people can work here without all these paperwork and stuff and
0: Brexit was the next thing to have to deal with wasn't it goodness Yeah. yeah
1: so yeah that affected us and finding chefs at any level is tough now because even though people hear hot dogs you know our hot dogs had a standard we were using the same ingredients of kitchen table. It was a lot of work in them. But so many chefs, they couldn't get past just a hot dog, okay. you know. So it's quite hard to staff the kitchen of, yes. of, of bubble dogs, you know. My head chef, Atash, who's now one of my chefs at kitchen table as well, um, you know, if it weren't for him, who knows how long it had gone on. Like, he really kept it up and running along with Sandia. So, yeah, it's a tough gig. But we, we would like to bring it back one day. But okay. uh, we'll wait for this energy bill. and God knows what else. Don't, uh, don't. What, what God knows what else <gasps> is affecting ending. us. is uh, yeah.
0: Right, finally, can you share any wisdom from the experience so far with others? Have you changed and has your cooking changed?
1: Has what changed me, COVID?
0: Yeah, the whole pandemic, everything that's then happened on the other side of that. Obviously, you had all the time at home and then going through all of the stuff that you did.
1: Well, um, I just had a baby before the first pandemic. Wow. And then I had a pandemic baby. Yay!
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let me know what you were doing at home in lockdown. Bless
1: him. (laughs) Poor poor out. He'd be like, what is that, Dad, one day? But but yeah, without doubt, uh, children have uh, mellowed me. Okay. You know, uh, been an obsessive chef, a chef that's always wanting to achieve something with the team. You know, it's been tough as kitchens of this caliber are tough. I'd, I'd find it hard to believe that any chef sits here and says uh, cooking at that levels easy or not stressful. We say we're going to deliver in that and guests, guests coming to eat with us, they're coming with expectations yes. as they should. And we know that. So, um, when when anyone has expectations about anything, like somebody, someone needs to deliver on whatever it is, right? Yeah. Whether you're saying that you've got the best car or whatever, if you're buying that best car, it needs to deliver as, yeah. as we do. So that's tough. But I think having kids and then being very lucky to have that, still think about it now, you're like, and miss it. Having dinner with your kids every night because, you know, we wasn't running a daily restaurant like yeah. that. You know, we were getting all that work done during the day. You were coming home to be with your family. So, like, will you ever have that again? Probably not. But, you know, when in this career, you know that. So, like, you set yourself up for that. It's not like I'm sad every night I don't have dinner with my kids. I see them enough in the week. Yeah. But, you know, you can't have everything. You can't run restaurants of, of this calibre and be at home with your family. No,
0: uh, and just, you need it, to be in yeah. the kitchen, you know, and you're exactly. always in the kitchen, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's as it should be, you know. If
1: we were open, I'm cooking. But yes, I think family time, family's always been big for me, you know, from growing up, my parents, my sisters always big and then when you get your own family even bigger but yeah just appreciating everything a little more I think as we all did yeah um you know when you do get to travel or you know when we were allowed to see all our families again it's about not just letting it be a thing especially with kids right you focus down on it a little more if you're having dinner last night or if you're going to the park you absorb it more rather than you're like you know you know, as soon as we've been to the park, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I've got this to do. Like, you know, I still think like that, but I I, I take in the moment a lot more. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. Not
0: taking things for granted, I think.
1: Super lucky with his career. You know, chefs are very lucky that restaurants now get taken around the world. Yes. Um, You know, I've been to more countries around the world because of being a chef and having a restaurant than putting myself on a plane for a holiday, for sure. So... Um, you know, if, if it's something as extravagant as going to another country or or if it's going to the park or whether it's just having, you know, an extravagant meal or a normal meal or a burger, like just, just taking it all in. I wouldn't say it's changed my cooking more. I'm, I'm still as driven. Like I say, the pressure's there that we need to deliver and you, you never not want to deliver. So you always put that pressure on yourself. But I just think I don't want to say a word like not taking it so serious because we really do take it serious yeah. but just being uh, just being a bit more relaxed about it bit older now you let things go a lot quicker
0: You pick your battles, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know (laughs) what Um, bothers you. What used to bother you in some areas, you just let them go now. Yeah,
1: you know, maturity
0: and yeah, yeah.
1: maturity. Made silly mistakes as a young chef, like you know, dwelling on things, hanging on to things, working for those chefs, learning from those chefs that did that and that as well, and seeing those chefs be different now. You know, but when you're after something and you're young and you want something and the pressure's on you. As much as social media is our best weapon, it's also your worst weapon, right? And um, I keep my head down, we do what we do. I choose not to read reviews, good or bad. And, you know, as long as we're busy and we cook how we want to cook and we're happy as a business, I think that's the most important thing. There's no point being, um, you know, reading all the glory and then wanting to change your restaurant the day you read something negative, uh, listening to one person when the majority is this, or vice versa. Like, you know, maybe one day when your restaurant's empty forever and you're like, okay, I should probably start reading something now because, uh, you know, somebody's trying to tell me something and I'm not reading. Like, I hope that doesn't come around. But um, just being positive, being, okay. you know, a bit of work-life balance definitely now happens due to responsibility, you know. Of I think it was easy to go to the restaurant eight AM and not come back till one AM because you just constantly you wanted to make that little area better, you wanted to make that part of service better, you just needed to do this fridge bit better, you wanted to reorganise that better. There's Eat,
0: always something yeah, to be done yeah, you, thing, even in so. the
1: office, let's put these files here instead of here. There was always something and now you're like you're like do you, you know, does that even matter? You know, do I need to do a stock take of all the pans again? Like they're broke, <laughs> they're broke, you know. But like, you know, because yeah. 'cause you've got responsibilities at home and stuff and making sure you get a bit of a bit more of a balance with uh, family and work. It's a good place. Yeah, sense. yeah.
0: Right, yeah. James. That's a wrap. Awesome. Absolutely incredible. What an interview. <laughs> You've really blown me away. Really, yeah. and I think everyone listening, like, what a. Humbling, inspiring, incredible journey you have had. Thank what a, you. a remarkable career! Congratulations, you know. here you are, two Michelin star chef. Everything has evolved. I look forward to seeing bubble dogs. Yeah, I want to try yeah. out one of your hot dogs. Yeah, definitely. An ambition and,
1: down the road. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, very exciting times ahead in all the ways. And uh, thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me. Coming on.
1: Appreciate it.
0: And there we go, the whole Rick Stein connection is so wonderful. And of course, he worked for Rick for a number of years. I went to Kitchen Table a few months ago now. Uh, you can have a look on my Instagram over on My Muy Bueno for the Real. He did this incredible evening paying homage to Rick with lots of his signature dishes and dishes that were at the time that James was actually working with Rick. It was really well executed, wonderful people, just, oh, never eaten so much fish in one night in my life. As I joked at the time, I could swim home. I was like Flipper. Yeah, James is remarkable, all that he's doing, his passion for ingredients, his passion for foraging and wild foods as well. And he's a good egg. He really is. And very talented, hugely talented and just doing great things and will continue doing even more exceptional things, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope you really enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. And you'll be able to, of course, get even more of James once his course is out with Macca later in the year and get to yeah learn his dishes. He's also done a number of modules with us as well. So some skills and techniques, sharing all that brilliant expertise he has with lobster preparation, squid preparation, scallops, all of those sort of things. Incredible handmade pasta he does on his course as well. He's just, yeah, absolutely fantastic. So Ah, that's it. That's another episode and another chef in the bag. And uh, we're about midway through the season already. Where's the time going as this year is flying on by? Have a great next fortnight. Of course, go and follow My Muy Bueno Chefs. It's going to be evolving very soon. Use our hashtag, My Muy Bueno Chefs, and follow me over on My Muy Bueno. For everything, podcast, My Muy Bueno, updates, food, restaurants, visits, all of that in all the ways and very soon all things matter too. That's it everyone, stay well as always and I'll be back in two weeks time.